Hey, this is Russell and I work at the video store. When the store is quiet, I get to watch movies and series and talk about them with my friends that work here. And interesting people pop in to rent something all the time. Each week, we can help you figure out what you could be watching on streaming platforms and out in cinemas. We've got a very special episode for you today. Let's open up the shop. How's it, Cole? Good morning. Top of the morning. Top of the morning to you. Top of the morning to you. <laughs> yeah. Um, we have ourselves a very special day today and an episode that is somewhat somewhat different. We are doing a special Kazazi Moto episode. Right. In the fact that um, the Bioscope is hosting this small, um, just cast and crew, more like an internal um, screening of all the episodes. Basically, Kazazimoto is, um, as you're going to be be told over the course of this episode, uh, is a very special anthology series which is now available on Disney+. Plus. It is um, going to be better explained and encapsulated by the people we are going to have come and pop into the video store. But Different stories, um, animation, so anthology, so each one is a little different. They are short films, and you can watch them probably all together as a package. Yeah, um, or at least like at once. You could watch them as the equivalent of almost like a feature film. Um, and great stories from all across Africa, different um, writers and, and, and first-timers, and so it's very exciting. It's super exciting that we're getting something like this. And yeah. um, and so we are going to have two guests uh, pop into the video store over the course of today to uh, say hi. The first is Sandy, yeah. who is a friend of ours, who um, was one of the voice um, characters, one of the voice actors in one of the films. And then through this event that we were putting on at the Bioscope, um, we got to know Kaya, from those production girls, which is a really cool um, production company, um, and so she's the head producer of the whole series, which which was a really cool thing to to chat. So so she's going to pop in as well. That's amazing. So, it's yeah. so cool. We've got a little themed episode that doesn't happen often. Yeah. So as a result of that, we aren't going to chat too much ourselves. We're going to rather have this be a busy day at the at the video store where. Where our yeah, two guests on one day, dude. Yeah, like we—that's more than we can handle. So uh, let's get into it. Let's start our our day, and um, I think let us start with Kaya. Nice. So this is uh, Kaya Kun popping in to rent something. How's it? Hi. It's yes. all very exciting. We have people. Popping into uh, the video store, all I'm, about our... I'm busy. I'm not used to being this busy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> when it rains, it pours. Yeah. All about our exciting production, which is releasing today. Yes. So, so please tell us. So thank you so much for having me. Um, today is the premiere date on Disney Plus of Kazazimoto Generation Fire, the very exciting animated anthology that we produced, uh, 10... Stories from Africa, all African directors, African creators, um, really a pioneer project. We haven't done something like this. I don't think anybody's done something like this. Before. And by we, you kind of mean the world. 
Yep. <laughs> totally. <laughs> totally mean the world. I totally mean the world. And as humans, we haven't done a really cool animated anthology series from Africa. We have not. You know, there's been awesome animated anthology series like uh, Love, Death and Robots is yeah. the one that I think people know mm. the most, all the Star Wars visions. Um, but this is really the first one from Africa, first of its kind. All of our directors were kind of up, they're up and coming first time directors in animation. Yeah. You know, they've either been directors in live action or art directors or animation directors, but this is kind of the first time everyone had directed an animated story of their own. Yeah. Uh, each film, so they sit at about 12 minutes each, so it's 10, 10 minute films. And they're all set in their own worlds. They're all totally different styles of animation. Yeah, that's cool. Standalone stories. Um, and really, really, really cool. It's, it's amazing. How, how, how much of your life has this taken up? So I was the senior producer, or one of the senior producers um, across the all 10, um, which meant we were kind of producing all 10 at the same time. Yeah. which was insane it was a it was a really insane decision for us to decide to or yeah it was a really uh, insane endeavor to take upon um but we did it over about the course of 18 months okay um and that was once the stories were greenlit so there was um a whole period before that and I can double check numbers Who, whose will that. was this like whose so vision. the vision really came from Kevin Creedman. He approached Triggerfish with this idea of, look, we've got so much talent in, in Africa. We've got so many amazing stories to tell, so many amazing creators. Why don't we do an animated anthology? That's and amazing. I've come to know Kevin. Ah. I've come to know him as, um, as someone through the video store who is sending me, because um, he's a PR person yes so shout out to kevin who hopefully does listen it sounds like he does listen (laughs) and he um he he also he does the pr for triggerfish and he has a pr for showmax so it's quite nice when when those well multi-choice so it's quite nice when those those things could come together yeah so big shout out to him for this brain child of his he approached triggerfish yeah Yeah, and he said look why don't we do this and triggerfish went yeah sure Uh, sounds easy (laughs) let's do it (laughs) um and they then essentially put out a call to a bunch of african creators looked for stories looked for scripts and then there was a whole process of narrowing those down to the 10 that we um finally decided on so Triggerfish and um, Kevin then approached Disney. I was about to say, when did Disney then get involved? Yeah, so Peter Ramsey had actually been in South Africa, I think it was in 2018. He'd come down for the Cape Town International Animation Festival and had really enjoyed being here. I'd met a lot of the creators. Um, Who, you know. Who's that? So Peter Ramsey is the Oscar-winning director of Across the Spider-Verse. Um, ah. Yeah, the first one. Amazing, amazing guy. And he was just really, so he came to talk about Spider-Verse. And he met a whole bunch of us, met Triggerfish, came to the offices, met the creators. Dope. And, you know, he'll talk about how he really did feel the energy here and was so excited about it. So There's when, a hunger because we just, we're not, we're not, you know, the plate isn't full with all the 
big cool animation projects we have going on. So it's like yeah. there's an eagerness to be like, yes. Yeah. And there's also I think there's a there's an eagerness to tell our stories, you know. Always, like yeah. Africa is just this incredibly rich region of stories and we've got the most incredible stories, the most incredible culture. Yeah. And so it was very much you know, he he could see the the name Kazazimoto actually loosely translates to Generation Fire. Yeah. And it came from we saying, you know, this is the fire, well, this generation is fire. We are fire and these oh, creators cool. are fire. And I think that he felt the fire in these creators, felt the fire in Africa of the content that we were doing, the and things that's what we led were to the doing. Name. And that's so, cool. That's wow. interesting. Yeah. So it's the, he was really excited about it. He then got, was on board as an EP, um, as an executive producer and so then we had uh, Peter, we had Disney and Triggerfish, and this got taken, you know, picked up. And that's it, exciting, man. Yeah, it's, it was it was incredibly, incredibly exciting, and all the directors were just, you know, I, I loved working with them so much. When I say it was insane that we produced ten films at the same time with ten different directors, I mean that is yeah. insane. That significant. It's, it's, it's to significant just do it once, and it's it, insane and it should have actually been the worst decision we'd ever made. Yeah. Like like when people say to me, How did you do it? I'm like, Well actually it wasn't nearly as hard as it should have been and that was because the directors actually they've all become some of my closest friends. Um they're all incredible to work with. Disney was also an incredible partner. They really were phenomenal. The creative team from Disney were just so supportive, um, so pragmatic, so enthusiastic about what we were trying to do and so committed to really letting the directors tell their stories. Yeah, because you you get the feeling that when you're dealing with such a juggernaut, that you could just be overwhelmed by the amount of people or the bureaucracy, or especially like the interests, yeah. especially American companies in general are like overly bureaucratic and overly system based, and like that's part of what's made them such a successful capitalist, you know, yeah. country. Machine, but yeah. but it does stop, it does stop quick moving decision making mm. and progress and stuff. So that's interesting that they did allow for that. There was really? room to to move in that. And they were amazing. I mean, we were working with the Disney EMEA team. Um, so the Europe, Middle East and Africa team. Um, so Orion Ross is the VP of that. Um, and Shamik. Um, but they were just, they, they were just such amazing creative partners. And, you know, when you look, when you watch these films, if you are fortunate enough to know the directors, you, you can see the directors in the films like these wow. are their films this wow. is their story their voice and it's so clearly them that's cool um you know and the fact that disney and triggerfish and peter were just so open to or also committed to yeah. it being their stories and their voices um and it mm. made the pro you know it made the um the process of making these films just like so so much easier and more enjoyable than it should have been. And then I'm also just going to give a shout out to all my line producers because um, what each, is a line? What so, is a line so producer? The line producers were sort of the the main producers on the films, um, on individual films. So each film had its own line producer. Okay. Um, and they were. Also, just so you uh, had sort of ten of those. Exactly. There was one, one for each one, one. for each film. Yeah. And line, line being 
sort it's of the a, line of communication, right? Uh, it's like actually, they would sort of it's communicate like an old film. It's, it's sort of an old film term around budget lines, actually. I was thinking so, I know to be more finance. Uh, uh, like and it's, it's kind of use, loosely used these days, particularly okay. in animation because it's an old live action term. Oh, I see. But um, it works just, differently just, in animation spaces. Yeah, I just find it interesting. It's a loose term, um, but it's it's usually sort of like your on the ground, your your main producer who okay. is managing the production team, who's managing the leads and the the thing. Um, so I, I myself and then Leanne Preston, who's in LA. Her and I were the senior producers. Leanne had to leave a little bit earlier, and then she was replaced by Lisa Furlong Jones. Um, also based in LA and between the two of us we then oversaw all 10 plus the kind of just um, the stuff that sat with outside well the stuff that sat outside of the individual production of the films so like casting and music and <laughs> like a sound. sorry um you can hear I talk with my hands. But that, yeah, but <laughs> that's, that, that's that's the definite yeah the definition of of producing is is wrangling all those fields together. Mm. Yeah. And it's something that I actually needed to even realize for myself, even after film school, that um, the best film award at the Oscars, for example, that goes to the producers. You don't actually think of it as that. You think of it as going to the film. But it's like the yes. film won best film. It's like, well, who actually wins that award? Who picks it up, man? And that award, in theory, is the biggest award of the night. And actually goes to the producers. Um, they, they're the ones that are credited for that award. But that's also, weirdly enough, its own embodiment of what the producing job is. You are the biggest. Yeah. Bigger <laughs> than the director because you're the one that hires the director. You're the one that makes sure the director directs. But funny enough, you fall a little behind the curtain yeah. to the point where you it's not the award for the best producer goes to. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what you're making is bigger than you. Yeah, And so absolutely. you are an unsung, it is an unsung Very role. Much. You know, no one yeah. talks about like their favorite producers. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, sure, because it doesn't obviously come with necessarily the creative vision of a director. But, the you know, you guys are the people in the back that like literally do the whole thing. <laughs> so essential. Oh. I've been doing quite a lot of um, low budgets, like after leaving my job as a creative director, but doing a lot of low budget music video work. And um, it's it's with like a lot of mates that we pull together and we do really cool shit together. Like Gavin Pincus has been on the podcast before. He's a great DOP. Oh, uh, hey really, Gavin. Oh, wow. Gavin. Nice. Yeah. So like good mates, but then I can feel this gap in my life where it's like that person behind me that just like not cracks the whip, you know, but that person mm. who has just got my back holds mm. it all together. Mm. You can feel it missing when it's not there. And like when you have to look after it by yourself as a little director with ADHD, you're like, oh, well, it's doing. very difficult. You know what I, I mean? So producers. Mm. I actually God's often um, talk about or talk to directors and say, I don't believe in like a director producer hybrid because you're just like setting yourself up for such pain and suffering. And you're also setting up the project for pain and suffering because the director producer relationship like that, that is sacred. Yeah. It's very mm -hmm. lonely being a producer. It's very lonely being a director. And a lot of the time, the only people that you have is each other. So what I always say to like up and coming producers or directors is, Find a producer that you like, 
right? Yeah. That you like and you trust up front because you want there to be a solid foundation where you kind of really know that you guys have a good solid relationship you trust this person because mm. once production starts you're not going to like each other yeah. and you're not supposed to like each other yeah. you know as a director you're not supposed to be worrying about how it gets done because you need to be reaching creatively for the stars you need to be pushing us and as yeah. a producer i need to be making sure it does get done so we should always be able to have that conversation of you saying, it would be really great if we could do this and me saying, okay, yes, you can do this or no, you can't do this. Yeah. You shouldn't. There's as, no budget or, yeah. or like or, if we're okay, going to do it, this, you've got one go. Exactly. Yeah. Or, you know, if you're going to you do sure this. Are you sure you want to do that? Yeah. We're not going to do this. Or, yeah. you know, what, yeah. you know we play that game and we figure out and it's like, it's a conversation that you have all the time on Yeah, the sets. one is shooting for the stars. The other one is building the spaceship. Yeah, the other <laughs> one. The other great one, metaphor. Exactly. And the, like we've got to make sure that we actually get it done. And we're always saying, you know, done is better than perfect. Yeah. But you guys shouldn't be worrying about like limiting your creative direction. But you shouldn't be able to trust your producer when your producer's like, fam, we can't do this, but yes. in, in, in the way that the producer also then needs to trust the director, um, where the director says, look, this is the hill that I die on. We really need this thing. Yeah, this thing. And, and I then trust your creative vision. I don't question your creative vision. I go, okay, fine. I'll make mm. this happen. Mm. Yeah. And this is the thing we're going to put the money towards. And even though I don't think that this is the hill we're going to die on, I believe in you as the director. Yeah. So I'm going to put the money there and I'm going to find, you know, we're going to lose the money somewhere else. And that's why it's such an important relationship. Yeah, so and I, trust. I love what you guys are saying about producers. Like, I think you get it more than most people do because yeah. <laughs> a lot of people don't know what we do. Yes, we're very much unsung heroes. And also yes. when, when like when projects are going well. Um, no one's looking to you. Well, then people are like, oh, the producer just like sits in their office yeah. and takes our money. Oh, you know, goodness. they think we like people think we don't do anything until <laughs> you have a project where you yeah. don't have a good producer. Yeah. Yeah. And then you realize that that's actually like one of the most expensive things to have on a project is a bad producer because a badly managed project just bleeds money. Yeah. Whereas if you actually have a good producer and a well-trained producer, then you're spending the money where it matters. And that's actually what produces what we're trying to do. We want to make films. We want to, yeah. we want to be up there making the best picture, best picture and getting those awards. Right? <laughs> but, um, you, you're in control of the budget and that budget is what's paying you. So I'd imagine at least maybe in the start, there's these times where like you sacrifice your own budget, you sacrifice your own salary to help the project, right? Yeah, I mean I can't talk for all producers. But I mean that. But I, I mean that's if you're the one in control and you're losing control, you might look to your own salary first. Totally. In many cases. Mm. Which is difficult. Yeah. Yeah, it's hectic. Totally. The, Wild. This but discussion of producers and directors, I just watched something this weekend. So it's serendipitous. I feel like I have to bring it up. We were watching all the indie films in prep for Indie Dial Destiny this weekend for the podcast. Um, and I watched all the behind the scenes documentaries. And there's that moment in Raiders of the Lost Ark where they go down into the Egyptian hole and there's a whole bunch of snakes. Um, and in the behind the scenes, they had a thousand snakes on sets. Oh, God. That's okay, and then, yeah, everyone was talking about like how they don't have a problem with snakes, but when you see an entire floor of them moving at once, it's just this weird survival thing that kicks in. But when Spielberg set up the wide, he looked at it and he was like, 
There's not enough snakes. Not enough, enough snakes. And he's like pulled in Frank Marshall and he's like, okay, cool. What are we going to do? We need more snakes. Like we have to like, we can't do this now. We'll get other shots. But then it was a discussion of, okay, cool. We need to go through Europe and find every snake wrangler we have. And Spielberg said, we need like, if that's what a thousand looks like, we need 8,000 snakes. And then Frank Marshall had to go to Europe, find all the snake wranglers he could and put all these snakes onto a film set. And it's just when you think about Frank the Marshall being the producer. Yeah. Yeah. With Kathleen Kennedy, married to Kathleen Kennedy, actually. Wild. Yeah. There's a very similar story about the making of Lawrence of Arabia okay. with the horses. And oh. they had like every single horse in the vicinity. And the director looks at the scene and went, there are not enough horses. And there's quite a famous photograph of the director and the producer. And you can see that they are like about to kill each other, just like... <laughs> the, obviously, you, we, I imagine the conversation, the director sort of going like, we need more horses and the producers being like, I, I have Gulp. all horses on the continent on set right now. Where do you want me to get more horses from? Yeah. But hey, look, you got more horses. And that's yeah, that's see, the thing yeah. is we, we will pull out these miracles if that's the hill the director wants to die on, you know. Sure. Um, Interesting. Yeah. But we also have to make sure it gets done. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and how much more of your job um, is involved now that it actually is out? So much less of my job is involved right now. As I said, I was sort of the senior producer, so my main task was to get these made. Right? Okay. So now the that production of them. The production of them. Now that they're made, they're made. And it kind of goes to the marketing teams and the executive producer teams to hopefully roll it out and make sure it does well so that we get a season two. Right, that's okay. that's the main thing that we want to we want to do. We want to open up the avenue to make more more con uh, more content like this. You know, mm. we really want this to be the beginning of the journey, not the the end and not sure. the peak. Mm. You know, this is the way I see this. This is really just like we've just cracked the door open, and now if you know, it's 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 making so much space for more African creators, more African stories that are authentically told, that are produced, more animation, you know, mm. different styles of animation. Like this really opens up a huge road for us. Yeah. Um, and if this does well, you know, if we get a lot of um, support, if lots of people go and watch it on Disney+, Plus, it makes that door a lot wider. You yeah. know, that like it makes yeah. it a whole lot easier for us to do this again. I mean, so this is the call to action for anyone <laughs> that watches Love, Death and Robots yeah. to go and watch the African stories, yeah. right? Yeah, go no, watch Kazazimoto on Disney+. Plus. Um, but even a shout out to Star Wars Visions, which you mentioned you. earlier. Yes. Um, South Africans were involved in one of the stories. Yes, and I, it's was a the, great... I was the consulting producer okay. on um, our song. The line producer, and that was Diane Makings, and it was directed by Daniel Clark and Nadia Diaries. Yeah. It was also done at Two guys from Cape Town, yeah. Yeah, two guys from Cape Town. Yeah, we're trying to get them on the show. It's just, we could do a Zoom, but it's just kind of, it's nicer to be in the, you know, face-to-face. But but we, we, Kevin got us in touch, and um, shout out again to our our man, Kev. Um, But yeah, I just think it's great that you can just tune into these major platforms and see the work of... I think you guys Africans. should come down for Fame Week Africa, um, come to Cape Town in September. Mm. Meet Diane, who's the festival director of the Cape Town International Animation Festival. That sounds good. And yeah. was the line producer of Star Wars Vision. Yeah. We'll yeah. have a War of Oz song. 
Um, How do you pronounce the the name of the Ao Song? Ao. Yeah, Ao like Song. A A U. A A U. Ao Song. Beautiful. It's it's a lovely. It's, it's all set on the planet where they mine the the kyber crystals. Kyber crystals. Yeah. Come on, Russ. I'm trying. Man. <laughs> I've watched it. Have you watched it? <laughs> no, I haven't watched okay, it. Well, I'm I didn't have, you. I didn't have Disney for a while. Yeah. Um, one quick little shout out to to the Kaya of a little while ago. You said you spent your formative time in a video store. Yes. <laughs> I don't think I realized how formative it would be when I was working there. But when wow. I was in high school, I worked at a DVD store called Showtime, uh, which sadly is no longer but it was uh, my my boyfriend worked there. But uh, yeah, we all worked there. We worked at this video store called Showtime. Um, we were all friends. A lot of us went to school together. A lot of us were dating. A lot of us were started dating or broke up and still worked there. Um, so it was this very incestuous little pot. Um, but we all worked at this video store. Had the most fun working there. And did you wa- awesome. did you watch a lot of stuff? I would oh, imagine we you watch. Would. Well, we we would get it. the yeah, and we you know those days streaming wasn't a thing, um, and we could just take as many DVDs as we wanted home. You know, we didn't have to rent them. Yeah. So yeah, we watched a ton of stuff. What you know, we amazing. we had stuff watch. Also, in our long shifts, we'd end up watching videos at the video store together. Sure. Um, and, yeah. What, what were some of those movies? Like, what were some of the ones that just stand out off the cuff? So we, we had, like, running series for, like, so, like, Friends. I think we'd watch Friends in the video store, like, sure. from season one all yeah. the way through Lovely. on repeat quite often. So we had, like, those kind of yeah, regular. Re- regular repeats. Um and obviously, we would always get the new releases and we'd watch those. Something that I loved doing. And maybe this is when I look back on it, uh, bearing that I was a producer, I really loved organizing the shelves. Okay. So every now and again, if I had like a quiet day or a long shift where I was doing like a double shift, it was my favorite thing to organize the shelves. So I'd set up like a a cult movie shelf or like then do the horror shelf or redo the Disney shelf, you know, and that we'd like brilliance. categorize the shelves and put all the things. Just think there. about what you're doing there as a producer. You're like teaching yourself genre and recognizing that's so cool. Yeah. yeah. And just like categorizing and I know, categorizing was like my, so into it. <laughs> my friends would always come in and look at my DVD collection and just be like, Oh my God, how many DVDs you have? As if I'm like this abnormal thing. I'm like, it's just 400 DVDs. Calm down. When I had to move now, Michael, my boyfriend, he was complaining. He's like, who am I dating? Why do you have like 10 boxes of DVDs? <laughs> like, Don't even joke. We still have that hangover. My boyfriend who worked with me at this DVD yeah. store, when we moved into our new house, we have a library of books and bookshelves. And I promise you one of the bookshelves is basically just DVDs. Amazing. He has the most ridiculous DVD collection. Yes. Um, yeah. But yeah, it really, it, it meant that we also, because we, we consumed a lot of cinema because yeah. it was so easy mm. for us to consume it mm. that we just, I, I think it really became formative to me being in the film industry. Um, yeah. yeah, totally. Like wow. understanding different stories and yeah. It's like you're learning, but you don't know that you're learning. It's your, right? your 10,000 totally, hours. Totally, yeah. totally. It's your 10,000 hours. Yeah. We talk about this all the time. But it was the, it was the funniest thing, you know, you, you were saying about your podcast being based people coming into the store that was always our weirdest thing. It's just like the customers that came into a store, you know, our video store is based in Melville. And let me tell you on like 
a Tuesday night in Melville, the people that come into a DVD store can be really, really <laughs> weird. <laughs> and the stories we would get for late returns when we would say, oh, you, have, you know, your last DVD was a late return, so you have a fine. The things people would tell us about oh. why it was late was just, I mean, yeah. sorry, I was in jail. <laughs> okay. Well, like, you know. So, like, sorry, we had this issue, and then they go and tell us their whole long life story, and it's just there was yeah. I, I I knew someone who worked at a video store, and he said they he recommended this film, this particular kind of film, to this kind of very jockey, foys, butty kind of <laughs> dude. And the next day, was also working the shift when the guy came back, and he's like, "So, so how was the film?" And apparently, this is verbatim how the guy said it. He was like. Yeah, it was cool. We like watched a bit. And then the chick wanted to pump. And so <laughs> we pumped a bit. And he's like, why are you telling me this? <laughs> I promise you people would tell me the strangest like become their therapist. The, the, like, why would you tell an absolute stranger the story? One of the other very weird things that would happen is sometimes people would phone us to say, hi, my DVD is going to be late, which, great, thanks for calling us, but usually it should be a Organized, quick call. Yeah. You go, hey, okay, cool, no problem, I'll extend it on the system, thanks for letting us know, ciao. But people would sometimes be like, hi, I'm just waiting to let you know this DVD is going to be late. You're like, okay, cool, let me, let me know which one. You look at it, it's not even overdue. And then they now want to tell you why it's going to be late. And it's like a 45-minute long conversation about how they have it such a bad day and they got delayed and then this happened and then this happened and then this is why. You could have returned it in the amount of time you've taken to explain (laughs) this. It was very, very, very strange. And then then also just sometimes people would come in not to rent DVDs but just to talk to us, which was, you know, sometimes nice but sometimes just very strange. Were you like cool, somewhat intimidating people, do you think? Or do you think you were like no, very we were friendly? Just like ragtag, friendly, ridiculous. You were welcoming. You know, all young, like teenagers. Just because sometimes you can be intimidating without even thinking about it. Like I, when I discovered Absolutely Fabulous, the video store. <laughs> You know, uh, and they were cool. The no, <laughs> no, 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 no. Yes! <laughs> uh, it was uh, in the in the in the peak of DVD video stores. Like they were the emporium. They were like room. There was like an art house room. Oh wow! You know wow. that you could go into, and they were all very cool people. But I was a bit like, like intimidated by them. Not that they that they were intimidating, but it was like you know they were like I wanted to like very cool. I wanted to be like. <laughs> You know, I wanted them to help me figure something out, but I also like didn't want to, you know, I was like nervous to talk to them. It's like the same as a musician when you go into like a music store. Yeah. Like these are like the cool musician guys. I'm talking like when, you, when you're young. When you're yeah, like totally. 13, 14, 15, 16. I don't think that we were, I don't think we were those kind of cool. Okay. No, well then that's I don't good. think we were. Maybe I'm wrong, but I don't think we were. I never okay. felt that way. Okay. <laughs> Listen, thank you so much for making some time and yeah, con- congratulations on this. Thank you. Thank it's, you. It's exciting to have met you as a result. Um, and, and yeah, it's just, it's, it's great. So well done and all your hard work. I'm sure it's going to pay off. Thank you so much. And yeah, thanks for having me. It's really cool chatting to you guys. I'm yeah, cool. so excited to watch it. And then hopefully we'll see you again on season two. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully <laughs> if we watch it. <laughs> cool. Magic. Cheers. Cool. Thanks, guys.
All right. Uh, so that was Kaya. Uh, it was such a great chat and such a great opportunity to talk to someone, as you can tell, who is a little more behind the curtain when it comes yeah, to it was these great. things. Also, just to have like a frank discussion about production and relationships like that. So it was really cool just to connect with someone immediately because we both know what that dynamic is like. You know? And it's interesting that when one speaks to a director because it involves more creative vision and mm. style and sort of more abstract things, perhaps your conversation can be more abstract and ethereal. Exactly. Where when you talk to a producer, it's like it's very like dum, 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 black and white. Yeah, it's been, and they're very it's practical, pragmatic people. So it was a, quite a cool chat in that regard. Um, now we are going to have Sandy um, come in and pop in. Uh, also just such an endearing, good guy yeah and just such a cool dude he's onto such exciting things yeah for all of you who are looking for something to do at the end of this year um as you will hear sandy is part of the big pantomime production which happens in johannesburg around christmas time every year and he plays peter pan the peter pan the peter pan uh all right so let's get into it this is sandy popping in to rent something How's it? Hello. Look who it is. <laughs> who is it? <laughs> it's Sandy. <laughs> it's Sandy, bro. How's it, guys? Hey. Thank you for having me. Um, yeah. I was telling Cole in the week that it's my um, my podcast V-card swiped. So hey. this, is, this is very special. Thank we you. love swiping V-cards. And on my birthday also. What? what? <laughs> yeah. Today your birthday? Today's my birthday. Because so, oh, Zimoto releases today. And, it's your birthday and, and your inaugural podcast recording. It's like it's blessings on blessings on blessings. Happy yeah. birthday, Sandy. Thank you. Thank you. How, how old are we today? We are 32. How today. old are you now? <laughs> 32. 32. How old yeah. are you, Cole? 32. Oh, uh, cool. Yeah. All right. 91. Hey, Cole. 90. 90. So yeah. 33 is coming. I'm on the uh, the other side of that mountain. <laughs> Sorry, dude. I'm on the, the back end of the 30s. Um, and why we, my receding hairline is higher. <laughs> <laughs> we we both share something in common with with Sandy. Sandy or Sandy? What would you prefer? Sandy or Sandy? Sandy. I'm happy with um, both. Yeah. Your full name is Sandy Sile. Sandy Sile. Okay, yeah. right. Um, Did not know that. <laughs> <laughs> both myself and Cole have worked with you before. Yes. Yes. Um, you are an actor mm-hmm. amongst many things, which we're going to get into, and. Um, the the first time I met you was you put up your hand and volunteered yeah. to be a part of a short straw music video, yeah, yeah. which oh, was which and was I just, very cool. And I just realised I'm wearing a short straw t-shirt. Oh shit! And an older <laughs> one. Old one. Oh, wow. I just realised I didn't even. Uh, uh, that's a, this is a weird day. <laughs> this is a weird day. That, that totally happened by accident. I really did. I swear. <laughs> the stars are aligning. But um, we we had this um, very ambitious, very exciting project um, back in 2017. 17, yeah. yeah. Uh, where we were going to make a music video for each, for every song that we released as oh. part of this album. And you were in the music video for Jetlag, which was a very fun... Um, play with the sort of concept of almost they live mm. um, the John Carpenter film and it was spearheaded by um, a lovely lovely individual called Naz Naz yeah um, oh. who rest in peace was was one of the 
the the shocking moments of COVID for at least my friend circle. Also myself, yeah. There were there were really like two significant um deaths of COVID and Naz Naz was one of them. The other one was um the photographer Henry Engelbrecht, who oh, we, yeah. we knew very well from our like world. Um and so there was this very sad moment where um we when we were trying to look for the pictures to sort of post in memory of Naz, we found some cool ones from our shoot together on, on jet lag. Yeah. So you were you were in amongst all of that. But it yeah. turned out to be a very sweet, very cute music video. I right? love that music video. So yeah, I was and very we, proud of what um the final product and because it was so much fun shooting it because I spent like what, 16 hours of that day just like dancing and yeah, <laughs> running up and down being steps, happy and being happy like this guy the character was just spreading cheer with the with the sunglasses it was so much fun and very intense because we just did it in that like one day yeah classic classic uh, <laughs> music, music video, video. Yeah. yeah and then over to Cole that was the other time you guys worked together where you were also in in a music video that Cole directed yes yeah. for, for yeah. our good friend Steve Steve Ngulo yeah. Who you also have a history with. Yes, and Cole and I actually worked for the first time in a musical theatre production, uh, My Favourite Things. That was the first time we worked together. That was 2018. Oh, were you in that? Yeah, I was. I, was, I played the reporter, and Cole was uh, part played of the, the band. Yeah. And <laughs> the director of that was a, cast, was a member of this podcast at one point. Yeah. Um, yes, Brett. Brett yes. has been on the show. Yeah, so lovely. full circle. I think, I think what it is... Just to summarize, what we're kind of getting to is the fact that you are very ambitious and you are very uh, excited to be involved and you're very excited to put your hand up. And I think yeah. that's a really important part of how you do what you do, which is to act. Yeah, um, thank you. Let's perhaps just touch on the perhaps the biggest thing, which is which is w- what's kind of led us to record this now. Yeah, um, is this. Kazimoto. How do you how do you pronounce it? Kizazimoto. Kizazimoto. I've never fucking it's never clicked in my head. <laughs> yeah, it I happens with me in a lot of those kind of words. Um, it's <laughs> the, the Disney Plus. Yeah, sorry, <laughs> sorry guys. It's the we Disney. It's, okay, <laughs> it's the Disney Plus anthology series. Yes. Which is now, as of right now, um, available on Disney Plus. Mm. I was telling Cole that it because uh, I was checking this morning. And um, it hadn't, yeah, the banner hadn't shown up yet on the homepage. And as I was about to leave to come join you guys, and then boom, it was there with the trailer and everything. So, yeah, it's available now, which I'm very excited to, yeah. All of us are curious, I think. Yeah, it's, yeah. And and you are the voice of one of the characters of one of the shorts. Yes. So, So the whole show itself is about 10, I believe. Yes, 10 episodes. 10 episodes, and they're short films. Yeah. So I think that's quite easy to, to consume for people. So like yeah. you can almost watch all of them in one sitting as a, as a movie. We actually, yeah, um, yeah it's, it's, it, that, that's it. we do something similar with the Oscar-nominated short films at the Bioscope, where all of them can okay. be packaged together as, a, as a, almost a feature-length okay, sitting. Cool, yeah. And it's a celebration of African stories, and of African talent, because not only is it cast members like yourself, but also mm. the animators themselves. Yeah. Um, there's, there's a handful of South Africans, but I believe it's also Kenya, Nigeria. There's a few. Ghana. Gen- Ghana. Yeah, yeah. It's so, quite widespread, which w- is really cool. What is your one? 
Uh, my one, uh, my episode is called um, Kuzi, the, the Spirit Racer. Um, and it's set in like, uh, like future Soweto. And there's this intergalactic race that happens. And there's this famous, um, there's this famous racer, Ogun, who's also kind of like the antagonist of that short. He's been unbeaten for like the longest time. And then, um, but the one racer to beat him was Mkuzi, who is this, uh, was like this mystery racer who wore a mask. And he, to this day, like he doesn't, he didn't, doesn't know who the, or well, we all don't know who the identity of Mkuzi is. Is that who you play? No, no. Okay. I, I play, <laughs> I, my character was a lot of fun. So I played um, uh, Kozmizi. Um, he is the race announcer kind of like the ruby rod um, type character and like the character design you'll see is also there's a lot that the the animators took from ruby rod style and like you know like large sharp shoulder pads like you know ruby rod from the fifth element okay um, i was about to say wait who was that again is that, is that is that um chris tucker's chris tucker. character yeah and is that how they pitched it to you or was that some inspiration you found that's how, like, that's how it was like briefed when we received the briefs as artists. So it's like a mix of Ruby Rod and Somizi, our yeah, no, no, that guy, uh, yeah. Ta- uh, personality. Um, hence the name Cosmizi. <laughs> and uh, interesting. So it's a nice little nod to the dude. Yeah, cool. yeah, it's really cool. And um, and just from that brief, got to really then play around with his voice when I was auditioning for it I gave quite a few um, uh, variations of it and and I also tried for two other characters but I was re- really drawn to Cosmizi so I was really happy when I got the part for him because that, that one was the most fun I felt like I could really play more mm-hmm. when when uh, was that this was last year um, so it was yeah 2022 and we recorded in, I want to say October, October yeah. of last year. October of last year, yeah. Or maybe that was the pickups. So about sort of nine, nine ten months ago. Yeah, that's I think hectic. September actually, and then I did some pickups in October. Yeah, that's so actually quite a quick turnaround. Yeah, well, you wonder how much they've they probably had figured out by yeah, that point. By that point, mm. true. Because you, you, I always am curious about the timelines. But then it's interesting that you had to sort of sit with this. Like, did, yeah. you know, and, that, and that's what kind of makes today quite special is that it's this kind of 10 month mm. build up for something that, you know, is quite a significant role. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's like um, he's definitely the the comic relief of of the episode. Um, who's Stanley Tucci's character in, yeah, in Hunger, Hunger Games? Games? He's yeah. got yeah, that. Yeah, they all they all have a flamboyance. I yeah. mean, especially Chris Rock. I mean, yeah. what was the whole like bzz, bzz, bzz. <laughs> Chris Tucker? Chris, Jesus, <laughs> man! Come on, fuck! I keep getting it wrong. <laughs> no, we all did it in the nineties and early noughties. Yeah, yeah. You know? The Chris's, you know, yeah, the black Chris's. <laughs> Sorry. Um, well, that's exciting, man. And we we're proud of you, and 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 we think that's just that that's just such an exciting thing to have happened. Ah, oh, thank you. Yeah, it. I appreciate that. It was, it was such a dream come true when 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 I got the news because um growing up we all loved Disney um and 
I lo- I loved you know playing around with voices and characters and and I loved mimicking my friends and trying to mimic um, characters that I saw on TV and like and I always wanted to one day like uh, you know voice a character or like voice a character for like a Disney movie yeah and so when this happened I oh, I was over the moon um so how what was the process like of being in a Disney production and like the South African production companies that they were using like can you give us some insights into that process yeah it was firstly amazing <laughs> yeah I, I had a lot of fun um because I, I I went into studio um and then uh yeah I was in there for four hours just going, yeah going through my lines in the in, in the episode and then on zoom and there was a screen in the booth. Uh, there was my voice, voice director, Ned Lott, um, who's from LA. He also di- voice directed. It'll come back to me. But like uh, when I went, before I went to the studio, I looked him up and I was like, oh, he's kind of a big deal. Okay. <laughs> so I was like, oh, so it was a bit daunting. And just seeing on the Zoom uh, some uh, trigger, Triggerfish producers um, and uh at Disney, Disney UK, Disney USA execs, just like all on Zoom there. So these, these are these are faces on a screen like, looking at you in the booth. Yeah. Okay. Luckily, watching they, they what they you're cameras, doing in real time. Yeah. Okay. Luckily, their cameras were off, and it was just Ned and my two directors. Um, but you're still aware of the fact that like 20 people are watching yep, you. Okay. Yep. Okay. And. Um, and so, yeah, it was just basically me and Ned and my directors the the, the whole time. And, and I was really well directed through um, that whole entire process. Um, Prompt? What kind of prompts would, would a guy like Ned give you? Ned, yeah. And <laughs> he's like, he would give me, he'd give me uh, for example, he would be like, okay, now, like, now, more, now, now more sinister. Like more, more, more gruff, more gruff. And then I give him one. He's like, "Okay, now try more, um, uh, more kind of mischievous, but like happy, but like happy mischievous." Like I was like, "Okay." And it was never just one thing. It was always like two opposite things. And he was like, "Make it work." <laughs> and, you, sure. and you weren't watching any kind of footage. I, I actually was. I was watching, um, uh, just like. Like storyboards, storyboards. Thank you. Okay, that's so cool. so, so you yeah. sort of saw the basic idea, yes. But you weren't watching it play out every time you were talking, right? No. You would then sort of almost have to sort of close your eyes and then sort of pretend you were in the scene. Yes. So yes. it's like you watched it play out in front of you. Yeah. So I, yeah, I didn't watch it play out, um, and so just before we had yeah, just the storyboards and some frames uh, and some. Um, just some reference voice over stuff. Yeah, um, so you you wouldn't even be able to see the pace of the action. Yeah, yeah. Could, because what you would be doing is creating that pace. Yes, yes. And, and with then the, they and would be the animating help. around your tone and your energy and your yeah. things. And with the help of uh, of the directors, because obviously them knowing the story well, they'd be like, okay, when he says this, it's like, you know, the race is reaching its 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 climax, and they neck and neck towards the finish line. So we need to hear that. So they were very helpful in me as Cosmizi creating the the pace and the and the energy and just like the feel of the different 
But um, someone like Ned is not the director of the short. So he's just coaching you as the voice person. Yeah, he's the voice. That, yeah, voice. Then that. whoever was actually directing the episode, who was animating the episode, were young, also relatively yeah. inexperienced. One of them is younger than me. I animators think. Yeah. from around Africa. Yes. One so of them were they also chiming in? Were they Very much, yeah. They, they had, were there um, in the booth, perhaps? Yeah. Uh, one of my directors in the studio? called, uh, he goes by Panda. <laughs> Um, he was in the studio with me and he was by the, like, uh, by the sound desk and he mm. was like helping me and my other director, oh, you must forgive me, I've forgotten his name. He was on Zoom because I think he was elsewhere. Um, so yeah, they were also um, chiming in a lot along with, um, along with Ned. Um, That's interesting. But and, you Ned, never, it, and you never met Ned? In real life, I never met him in real life, and I would have loved to. He was a, he was really nice, um, and even like in between when when I'd have breaks because it was a very vocally um, demanding character to play, and like so even in the breaks he'd like stay on the chat and like just kind of try get to know me, and so he was like this lovely guy, and he and he and him and my directors like they made it. They made it fun for me and it never felt like too many cooks in the kitchen because yeah, there were three people speaking at me, but I never felt like... Uh, uh, it was a contradictory direction or anything. No, no. And they'd, and they'd always check in with each other. They'd be like, what do you think, Panda? Like, what do you think, Ned? Should mm. you try? And I'm like, oh, I just want to try this one. And yeah. That's very cool because so much of a director's job is making sure that whatever environment you're in dramatically, like that has to be created in the actor's mind. Like if you're looking at storyboards and stuff, mm. there has to be a complete understanding of what's happening. But then also there needs to be this like comfort, like professional comfort with each other. Yeah, yeah. To be like, cool, we're doing something. Yeah. And you're asking so much of an actor in some moments to do things. Yeah. You need to make sure that like <laughs> that space is so chilled and, Ned and was, comfortable. Yeah, Ned was very good. I think it's just his experience. Um, he was wow. very good at that, like very good at making me feel comfortable and also making you feel like good. Especially <laughs> like making you feel like you're doing a good job. Yeah, yeah. you deserve to be like there. He'd, he'd, He'd like make me do various options of like the same line to the point where I was like, I don't know what else. <laughs> I don't know how else I can say because this they line. want to sit there with like a hundred clips going. Yeah. Which one is the best? Like and, as they piece it together, right? And, and there'd be times where he just like sometimes I'd be like, he's just doing it for like his own enjoyment now. Like you know, he'd be like, now do it like this. Okay, again, now do it like that. And then he just kind of just see him like laughing on the screen, like oh, that's really funny. Like he, he <laughs> said that he, so many times after take, like that's really funny. <laughs> he's, mold, he's molding you, I guess, just yeah. you no. know, warming you up so that perhaps you deliver a, a particular line in the future better. I, mm. I learned but you so much. But in you those pra four, four but you're practicing hours, yeah. on that line, perhaps over practicing so that you're better by page two you know definitely, definitely i remember yeah. like david finch's got a reputation for doing a lot of takes uh and that opening monologue of the social network with rooney mara and um jesse eisenberg thank you that was a test <laughs> and you passed well done uh they did like 70 takes or something of that scene and it's Aaron sorkin dialogue so it's like wall to wall mm. and um what venture says is that actors and that was the first thing they were shooting is that actors come to him and they like have an idea of what they want to present, but they it's that they're presenting it to him. So it's a performance to please a director in the beginning. And he has to get past that. He has to get that out of their system. Yeah. So that they're not performing to please someone yeah. and get like approval from a famous director. 
they're then performing the role and then like the the mm. pretense of it is built down but more warm and then down. it's yeah. authentic after that and you never ask him if he's sure if he wants like uh apparently yeah you'd never ask david fincher if oh, are you sure you want to do an, another take like we've got every like you just he, listen, he explodes he explodes and i actually saw a clip of him i can't remember which movie it was and he was like okay yeah let's do another take and his ad or someone like not in frame you just hear them going like uh, but i think that's enough like i think we've got everything and he just takes off his like his cant and he's like are you fucking kidding me huh you think you think that and he just like loses it it's like you don't tell him like, that it's who's, enough who's the director here him or someone else <laughs> wow. you know to be that person that's so interesting but i mean yeah. that's very indulgent and that sort of says a lot about what he's been given in terms of space because mm. yeah because your your main role as a director is to deal with problems and to deal with things and to solve problems mm. all the time. And he's like, every depending on how big your budget is, like you can't waste time. Like your minutes and your hours of a day can yeah. have these like huge huge values. And Oof. it's like you got to you got to solve problems in that time. So it's like to be indulgent and to do it fifty times is says something about yeah what he's been allowed. What, yeah, what people just like. <laughs> yeah. That's called cool. David. He'll get it, dude. Yeah. Just give him money and he'll get it. He'll get For it. those who don't know, David Finch's, what, seven? Fight Club. Fight Club. Social oh, Network. Social Network. Oh. Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Yeah. Gone Girl. Yeah, all of that. And Mindhunter. The f- and the first... House of Cards. The first Dune. No, that's David Lynch. That's David Lynch. That's David Lynch, sorry. No. The, David Finch. The <laughs> very racist Dune. I know. What was what were some of the, the big movies for you growing up what were those ones that at that time when you were mimicking or when you were sort of acting to your friends and <laughs> showing them that you're going to become an actor what, what, what were those because that you know that's a film we can we can um rent for you here at the video <laughs> store for you to watch again what, uh, what were what were some of those biggies the uh, biggie obviously as as millennials lion king and jeremy irons is Scar uh, performance as Scar, just that mm. oh, man, that that open there's op- his opening scene, and just like I remember, even as a kid, just being like, "Ooh, that it's that scary. voice," it's, and like, and getting older, and and uh, and you know, studying drama and working with my voice, and I just, then I got to, there was such a deeper appreciation for what he did. Um, I think it's one of the best villain it's, performances it's honestly, in history, and, and it's to this day when I rewatch it uh, with my daughter even um, and I'm still like ooh that first <laughs> that first scar yeah. scene did uh, you guys know that um, the Be Prepared song he didn't finish recording all of it because he got I think like laryngitis or a throat infection so Jim Cummings finished like the final verses of Be Prepared he's the voice of Winnie the Pooh and Tigger oh um, wow yeah and like if you go watch it you must try see if you can find the difference, like where okay. Jeremy Irons stops singing and Jim Cummings starts, and it's like you can't. I did not know that. Yeah, voice Thank actors you, are wild. Watching <laughs> yeah. the um, watching the live action remake, oh. live action. You say it with inverted commas. <laughs> Nothing was live, but <laughs> which is impressive, which is amazing, and of course that's a feat on its own. But I was like, all it did was had me realize just how good that first one was. Yeah, yeah. I think yes. Yeah, you know, and then maybe there were a couple that, like, a couple of the Disney ones that sort of needed a, a rejig. Like, maybe that character was a little Ray yeah, Ray. Yeah, and yeah, let's, yeah, maybe. You know, let's, Ray characters Ray. in let's, Dumbo. Let's, <laughs> let's, yeah, let's, let's, do, let's do that one a little better. Um, but Lion King was perfect. It 
was, it was perfect. actually perfect in so many ways. And there was kind of no point. There was no point, especially Lion King. There was no point. And I could feel just the collective... <laughs> and yeah. then, and like a generation of people just be like, don't leave it. Yeah. Yeah. Leave it alone. And what are you what are you improving? <laughs> what are you improving? In exactly. The, in the words of Jake White, <laughs> I love how I'm quoting a Springbok coach. <laughs> don't change a winning formula. Mm. Yeah. It's like such a if it ain't simple, broke. it's no. such a simple quote. But it, it's thinking of Jeremy Irons, it's just had me think about I wonder when Dead Ringers was in relation to um, Lion King and specifically the fact that um, Jeremy Irons as an actor like had a had dark movies has has played dark characters so mm. when he's doing a Disney dark yeah. which is of course nothing like a Cronenberg film there is still a depth to his darkness yes that's <laughs> which yeah, is probably <laughs> which is probably what informs it in yeah. a way like he's probably bringing a bit of that evil oh, definitely yeah. into his performance as a as a lion <laughs> <laughs> as a lion um what, yeah. what were some of the others not necessarily the acting i mean not not necessarily the voices but yeah. but just the the films oh uh incredibles one oh man that's possibly okay. my favorite animated movie of all time um Beauty and the Beast <laughs> has a special place in my heart. Little Mermaid. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Lovely. Um, it doesn't uh, have to even be animated. Yeah, like, I uh, know. Uh, what am I thinking? Oh, man, Prince of, Prince of Egypt. Well, Prince of Egypt is not Disney, DreamWorks, but that is. Yeah. And, and also, just like, don't, they must leave it alone. I never, I, never watched Prince, I never watched Prince of Egypt. Oh, man. I just it's, remember the song being incessant at the time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We had so many of those around that time. It was mm. when you believe from Prince of Egypt. Don't want to miss the thing from Armageddon. My heart will go on. Yes, yes, it's yeah, funny how late, the late nineties as was like the R and B ballads, R and B rock R and B ballads, chest voice ballads oh, like orchestra. Speaking <laughs> of um, um, Beauty and the Beast, what happened to Peebo Bryson? What? Peebo Bryson? Yeah, he was the dude that did some of those songs. He did the Beauty and the Beast song with Celine oh. Dion and. And, oh. he was, and he was like a dude from the 90s. He was like a singer. I thought it was Luther Vandross. And his name like, why was... Why that in my head? His name was Peebo. Really? Peebo <laughs> Bryson. What oh, a cool name. That's amazing. Right? Peebo Bryson. He's, he's, sitting, he's sitting, staring out at the Los Angeles skyline. Yeah. He's just fine. He probably, fro- does, probably doesn't need anyone to remember him, but... Honestly, his phone is just probably Sh- just going off just residuals, residuals, residuals. Yeah, shout out to Peebo Bryson. Um, <laughs> did you guys ever like those like R&B versions of the big songs that they released and put in the credits of the movie as opposed to the characters singing them? Yes. Like, yeah, like one of the best, like, because you thought of Luther Vandross. Yeah. He did. Was it A Whole New World? A Whole New World, yes. yes. It was A Whole New World, Luther and? Sure, it wasn't Peebo. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm thinking of come um, back to me, but I can't like just Beauty and the Beast. I think like hearing um, who was it? Was it Angela Lansbury yeah. as Mrs. Potts? Yeah, yeah. singing that like that's yeah, the, that's got... the sound of the song, right? <laughs> yeah, as yeah. opposed to the the artist one. Yeah, mm. I know mm. what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Um, you then won an award. You won a nice award recently. Huh? I did. Yes. What uh, was that for? I won. Uh, uh, I won an Alegi a theatre award. Um, I won it for best, best, best lead performance in a musical, um, and, and it, it, it was for Shaganyana, the musical, okay. which, 
which um, is a production we did uh, last year. Um, and it was produced by Madevu Entertainment and uh, University of Johannesburg Arts and Culture, um, which was a really lovely, um, fresh, brand new musical. Okay, I was based. about to say, it's, it's quite hard to make a musical from scratch. Mm. Yeah. It doesn't and, happen often. And um, they put a lot of work into it. There was a lot of artists involved. Uh, I think the process started in 20, 2020, actually, um, with some workshopping and some uh, where they wrote the music and then recorded the music and then drafts of the script were written. So it was a long process and, um, and, and then finally got to be on stage last year. Where was it? At... Um, at UJ, at their new oh, they got theater. a beautiful theater. Hey. Beautiful. I forget the Did name. Have you seen it? it no, I haven't. It's, oh, God. Oh, yeah, it's a beautiful theater. No, and, I've, I've, um, I've, I've checked it out. It's a, it's a really good-looking mm. theater. Oh, wow. And it's been, it's been renamed. It's named after one of their professors, but I can't remember the name now. Um, so, yeah. And, it, and what, kind of, what kind of musical style? Like real like Broadway musical style? Or is it more African more, music? What kind of vibe? More African. Yeah, it was... Um, yeah, African and like local. So you were dancing and singing. We were dancing and singing. Yeah. Um, so you must have what been is like, the what is the back of the box in this? What's the, so the back what, of the box is what we used to describe like when you pick up the VHS tape and you read what the blurb is. Okay. What's the story? Yes. Sell so me. Sell me. I want to come and watch. <laughs> the back of the box is um, Shaganyana. He is a he's a mischievous uh, character who is who is born a man. Um, but with all the naivete of a child. So the reason he is born is because um, the the village of Guake um, has not gotten an heir from the new from the new king and queen, and so now the king is blaming his queen on this, and he's like, "It's been so long. The people, the people uh, of Guake need an heir, and you have not borne me any heirs." And she's like, "Well, you know, we have to." Just let let the gods do their will. If you if an heir will come, it will come. But he's impatient, so he now um, uh, goes through kind of divine intervention. He gets the, the the village witch doctor to yeah to intervene and to impregnate the queen um, overnight. So she wakes up the next morning. She's pregnant and gives birth to this, according to the king, abomination because he's a man. He comes out. What do you mean, a, a full-grown person? Full-grown person. Oh, wow. Right. Yeah. Okay. Comes out a man and walking and talking, but he's still got this like um, wonder of like, ooh, where am I? I'm, he's like, you know, feeling his I'm only, body. I'm, I'm only a day old. Yeah, yeah. you know. Um, so, yeah, that's how, that's how the story And began. that was you. You were that, you were that man child. I was that man child, yes. <laughs> cool. That is such a cool take it's a on fun like, thing to play. I love the dramatizing a folklore because it feels like something very folklore. -y, yeah, it's a folk. Know? It's a folk tale, and Shaganyana um, is yeah. He's a, was it based of, on something, or was that the, was the story itself a fresh idea? Uh, it's based on like a, an old folk tale of Shaganyana. He's a demigod that's mischievous. Um, okay, he just goes around the wilderness, uh, tricking the other animals and creatures. Um, of uh, of of the wild, but that's his means of survival because he doesn't know any better. Because soon after he's born, he gets banished, 
by the king because the king is like, I will, this will not be my heir. This is an abomination. Yeah, this isn't what I signed up for. Yeah, yeah. He's like, no, no, this is not what I meant when I said I want a son, you know. And um, so he, the story is mostly his journey trying to kind of figure out who he is and why he was brought here because no one's guiding him. So he makes a lot of um, mistakes along the way. Um, he does some really shitty things like um, stealing the leopard's coat um, and um, and defeating the fire god um, by tricking by tricking the fire god, um, and so that's cool. And yeah, so he does all these things, and he and he doesn't understand why everyone's so pissed off at him, and why his ancestors like when they appear to him, they're like, "Ah, oh, you've been a little crap." He's like, "What? No, I haven't done nothing," you know. And what um, is the what is the sort of end take home? The end take is like. Um, like yeah we all we need a sense of community f to yeah to kind of be on a on a correct path in a way yeah because without community without a sense of guidance guidance and family and yeah just community really yeah um people will lose their way and not yeah. even, and and will do hurtful things and not even realize because there's no one there to kind of help them along the way which is testament to Shaganyana as a character. He's just going along and he doesn't realize that he's not, he's just, you know, taking the leopard's coat. Uh, yeah. and, and and he's just like, but I'm just trying to keep warm, you know, to him it's that. Meanwhile, he's doing it via very crappy wow. ways. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it's interesting to sometimes think of the take-home. Like, the take-home from Little Mermaid, like, isn't great. <laughs> it's like what you give up and sacrifice just to get a man. Just to get some D, bro. Where, where, the, where Beauty and the Beast has actually got a really great take-home. And it's original, original, original mm. author. Hundreds of years ago was writing it as a, it was a lesson to young girls to try and teach them, like, especially at a point in history where it was all about finding your husband to have your family to marry mm. right and all of that. And, and the message she wanted to get across was it doesn't matter. It's about what's on the inside. It's not, don't just uh, marry him just for his looks yeah. or his wealth. The, and, the Stockholm syndrome situation plays into that. Yeah. yeah I mean, okay, yeah. maybe that part was a bit questionable, <laughs> but like in theory, you get taken prisoner against your will, fall in love with the guy. He might be nice. Yeah. You know, <laughs> did he lock her up? Yeah. Yeah. First he locked her up and then, Okay. Right. Well, in theory, <laughs> in principle, it was meant to like, be good. Whatever. <laughs> um, this is exciting. So, what what's keeping you busy now? What's what's something you're looking forward to? I am looking forward. To, there's kind of a theme in the characters I've been playing lately. Uh, I'm looking forward to um, the Janice Honeyman pantomime. Oh, oh you're doing yes. it this year? Yes, it's Peter Pan, and I'm playing Peter Pan. Hey! <laughs> so, which is another man child you know <laughs> yeah. not wanting to grow up um, oh, sandy what's going on i don't know i think yeah i don't just like have you started industries trying to it's the universe. A massive hint like you need have, to learn something yeah dude. <laughs> have you have you started on that no no we haven't started uh, rehearsals yet but, um, but this is what's interesting correct me if i'm wrong but like mm. You like you've had your pictures taken, like the banners yes. are up. Yes. Like it's being advertised, it's being sold. It's, tickets are on sale. Tickets <laughs> are on sale, but yeah. like they haven't even like made the show yet. Yeah, crazy, That's right? That crazy is yeah. so interesting. The pantomime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I mean, how intensive is that audition process for them to be so certain that the talent that they hire it's, can pull it off? 
it's quite an intense audition process. Um, I, like, cause I, that was my fifth attempt at auditioning for the Janice Honeyman Panto. The previous ones I tried for was Jack and the Beanstalk, um, Pinocchio, Cinderella, and Panto Land. And Peter Pan was the fifth time I was trying, and th- those previous four I didn't, I didn't make it. Like not sure. even like not yeah. even ensemble. Well, sometimes if you're not right <laughs> for the role, I mean, it's not it's not to say that you're not talented, but you know yeah. they just might not have been the right character. Yeah, 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 of course. And also, and also, there were some of those auditions where I walked away. I'm being like, yeah, I messed up that audition. So it's not like I was. I didn't like, give my best. Yeah, hard done by, and I'm like, oh, yeah. you know, I'm, I'll never, <laughs> I'll never forget being in the school plays at my high school. <laughs> And the woman who put up her hand to say, you know, this is my passion. I'll give back mm. after years of being in the, the theater industry. And I'll do these school plays for Bryanston once a year and I'll, I'll, I'll help. Um, very sassy woman, but an older woman. Yeah. And I'll never forget her going, I could act the pencil of Pamela Anderson, but I'm not going to be cast in Baywatch. So <laughs> just understand that like you might yeah. just not be right for the role. Yeah, And I was like, Thank you. I need, I need, <laughs> as a Thank as you. a sort of sixteen year old impressionable mind, I was like, I needed to hear that. Yeah. Like, it's not. Don't take it personally. Yeah, yes. it's true. True. It's such a yeah. It's a it's a thing that we all have to come to terms with in, in our industry. Like sometimes they're looking for a, a particular look, um, and sometimes it goes even to height. Like, ah, yeah, sorry, you're but, not the um, right height for this specific role. The boy, the yeah. boy can sing. The boy can dance. So that's why you get the penta rolls, man. <laughs> yes. That's awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah. How's the singing sort of manifested in your life? Have you ever done any music? Uh, yes. I've done, I've done quite, a, quite a lot. I was in a, I was in a band. Um, this is the Steve Origin story as well. Yes. Yeah. And we, we formed, at, we formed at, at Rhodes University when we were all music students and um, our founding members was Steve and V Lorenzo, and uh, yeah, okay. they appro- they approached me because uh, I was doing classical voice, and uh, they were jazz. Mu- they, uh, they were both in the jazz department, and okay. they were like, they were like, we're starting a band, Sandy, and like, we want you to be the front man. And I was like, oh, I don't know. I was like, okay. Yeah. Did you do it? I did it. Yeah, and it, oh, well, I'm I'm so so glad I I accepted. Or like, yeah, I just decided because I was unsure. I was like, I've never sung as a front man. All my singing experience before that had been choir and just singing for my exam repertoires like in front of my... Sure, um, so it was like first big performance. If if you're a front man and you don't have a guitar or something to hide Mm -hmm. behind, like it becomes a performance. And that's the thing that I was scared. I was like... And so you actually being an actor, being a performer... Like that's a big chunk of what it means to yeah. be the singer. Yeah, and, and you know, very few can pull off like a <laughs> Liam Gallagher, where you're just going to sort of put your hands in your jacket pocket and sing. I don't think he pulls it off, but yeah, but sure. But I mean, they got <laughs> away with they got away with it, right? <laughs> yeah, true. It's like I remember once Q Magazine said that he was the greatest frontman of all time, and I got that's, so pissed off. I was like, what? what the I just publication in my mouth. <laughs> yeah. Like uh, seriously, uh, just put your hands in your. No, sorry, I didn't mean whatever. to do that. On the, um, <laughs> what like, d- listeners are gonna be like, "Oh God, now I'm gonna stop." <laughs> sorry. Um, what are you gonna do for the rest of your birthday, man? I am. I'm gonna. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm just gonna meet up with some some friends. I, yeah, like birthdays. I'm always like 
yeah. like yeah anxious to do something or then i end up doing like something last minute okay. so i'm just uh, meeting up with some friends uh, and, and a few of my friends will come over to my place and we'll watch my particular episode okay nice. I, was about to, I was about to say let's 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 rent you some movies <laughs> all right so we'll we'll rent you lion king just to just to sort of live that again what, uh, yeah. what is um what is another sort of movie recently that you've recently. That, that you've enjoyed Oof. or that you'd want to watch or what else can we rent you because we've got you lion king you're going to watch your episode mm. maybe fifth element Maybe because, oh, because this is what we're yeah. talking about, and where Chris Tucker, there you go, plays <laughs> a a landmark role. Yeah, uh, in um, what was the Luc Besson, the director? Yes, of Fifth Element. It was really his like peak, top of his game. Yes, yes, yeah. That yeah. and um, Leon and Leon, the professional. Ah, oh, Leon, the professional. Have you mm. seen that? Yes. Yeah. And actually, not that's too, a good rewatch for the first time. I watched it for the first time, like. I think two years ago, I was like, I haven't watched this like classic, and I watched it. I was like, okay, I yeah, get, I, get, I, I missed I get it. it. Yeah, I get the hype. Yeah, <laughs> I, I missed it for the oh. majority of my life. And mm. then I think it was an interview with Natalie Portman where she was talking about it because she plays this like super young girl. Her, her, that performance at that and her age performance was incredible. Ridiculous. Of course, it's Gary Oldman. Uh, of course. Okay. Yeah. All right. So let's get you Leon the professional. Okay. Yeah. Um, and. Um, and we got Lion King. We got Lion King, nice. Fifth Element. Yeah, and Fifth Element. It's going to be a good night. Ever since I did um, Kizazimoto, I was like, oh, I need a Fifth Element rewatch. I didn't watch it since I was like, yeah, since I was quite small. So good. even then I enjoyed it. It was such a good 90s sci-fi. Yeah. Like, ah. So yeah. yeah, I'm keen it's... to have a rewatch. Cool. Magic, man. I think uh, I think let's, let's get you out into the world to enjoy your... <laughs> Your birthday. Thank you. But it's cool that all the stars have, have aligned. Yeah, it was, and yeah, I, it was and really I hope special. That this is the start of many voice acting jobs for you. Do oh, you do like you. voiceover stuff as well? I do. Not 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 a lot of um not a lot of uh, uh voice acting yet. Um but I do do uh, kind of uh, voiceover work for uh, a friend of mine, her mother's educational company called Class Act. I kind of yeah, I do the voiceovers for the, the voice. Yeah, for the educational videos and the and the training videos. For it's us. just about experience. It's just about knowing what you can do. Yeah, yeah. And so I've got a good relationship with them. They um, whenever the videos are up, they just call me up and lovely. And then I put on like the professional voice. I think the most important <laughs> thing to say is that you're working. Which is like I'm very grateful for which that. Which is yeah. the fucking that's that's, <laughs> that's it, man. <laughs> yes. That's what it's all about. Ooh. And I think yeah. it's testament to <clears throat> to you putting up your hands and being a part of some of these other projects. You know, yeah. um, thank you. Uh, and it's 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 all about reputation and relationship. And so, like, you know, even though I only hung out with you for a day five years ago when you were <laughs> yeah. shooting up the Anstey's building, yeah. building and <laughs> shooting this music video I could have left going yeah he's cool like he's great mm. like and he's a great actor and he showed up and he hit his marks and he was thanks, great yeah. and then thanks, yes. you know <laughs> that, that's important yeah. it is important you're reliable yeah and, and, and yeah. your road trip music video that Cole shot is called your eyes through mine. Yeah, also, Steve. very your special. Ah, very special. Which is a lovely, yeah. like, lovely music. Very video. cinematic. Well done, Cole. Thanks, dude. <laughs> yeah, you it's won a an award and everything. It's beautiful, man. What ah. award did you win? 
the best low budget music video and cinematography at the Munich <laughs> Music Video Awards. <laughs> I love its stipulation. The best yeah. low. We low didn't budget. get nominated for a Sammo, but we got freaking Jim German G- Awards. G- the Germans, yeah. man, yeah, they're all they, about they got it. our backs. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right, Didi, happy birthday. Thank you so much. And thank you, guys. More. Thank you. And thank you for having me. Yeah, oh, good, man. This was, oh, this was a lot of fun. Yeah, what a treat. Sweet, my guy. Thank you. Charles. Happy birthday. Thank you, Carlos. All right. What a good chat. Great chat. Love what, Sandy. What a great dude. He's such and a good actor. He's such a good guy that kind of just shows up and does great work. Which, um, is, yeah, which yeah. is off of a big chunk of what you need. Yeah, from, exactly. From someone doing that job. And then also someone so nice to get to know in an extended like sense when we did the production together. Yeah. Um, you know, you have these show friendships is what we call them. It's like, it's it's three to four weeks of intensive connection. A whole bunch of people when you're doing rehearsals, shows. Totally. They're just all around all the time. And people talk about that a lot on the podcasts that involve um, actors. They yeah. talk about how like you think you know them and then... Then it breaks and it's done, and then you don't see each other yeah. again. It's kind and of it's so very, tragic. It's very rare that yeah. people kind of actually stay in touch. Yeah, but there's nothing wrong with it in a sense. No, exactly, it kind of makes the experience of each production that you do that more unique and and I always beautiful. Found, and I always found it interesting that um, when you when you are in those throes of production, especially with documentary, when you're making something about someone that you like you obsess about them like they're the mm. son of your kind of solar system and you sure. do anything for them yeah. and then the moment it's done you, life carries on and then like that you feel bad you feel bad for like not caring about them anymore yeah it's it's a very strange relationship to go yeah. for for the people that do these kinds of jobs just being like 30 and experiencing like how things kind of feel like they're changing it feels like you know your life becomes so busy and your concerns become more about like friends that have kids or like are more career driven that just naturally you start to spend less time with people like your 20s feel like they're so yeah like deep in social connection and then your 30s you just start to like that starts to dissipate quite a bit and mm. you find yourself like struggling to connect with people or make time for people and trying to be more deliberate like my friends and I are starting to schedule calls together to be like when is the child dropped off at school when can I chat with you and that's good. When can you remember that we need to talk, you know? Because I yeah. think we do need to maintain these connections. Mm. I think it is important. That's good. Yeah. Lovely. Um, thank you, my guy. Yeah. Thank you for today. And thank you for being a part of these chats. That was wonderful. It was, it was, a, cool, it was a, cool, a cool day at the shop. Um, so we are the video store. Thank you for tuning in. I still say the word tuning in. It's yeah. wrong. Thank you for listening. And uh, if you're feeling generous, uh, take a sec just to give us a rating and review on whatever platform you are on. That kind of stuff really means a lot and goes a lot um, towards us building the the podcast as well as please chime in. Yeah. Chime in on social media, like on Instagram and on Facebook. We love hearing from you. Let us know what you're watching. Let us know where we've gone wrong and (laughs) fact check us. Yeah. Love and also checked. just share a share a stupid meme. That also yeah. that also is nice. Um, thank you so much for the support, and we will see you again next week. Go and watch Kizazimoto now watch it. on Disney Plus. Magic. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.